As an engineering leader, you know firsthand that achieving work-life balance can be hard. Many business owners struggle with the balance between their personal lives and their work. This leads to stress and a feeling of regret. But that's not the case for the listeners of the Engineer Your Success podcast with Dr. James Bryant. This podcast provides tools, tips, and techniques to help you achieve success both in business and in life. Tune in. Let's engineer your success today. I want to welcome you to the Engineer Your Success podcast. I'm your host, Dr. James Bryant, and I have the absolute pleasure of having a special guest on the show for you today. Mr. Joe Ruiz is here. He is absolutely going to blow your socks off with his story and just focusing on creativity and innovation. And I really wanted to get Joe on the show. Previously, we had Jake Brown on the show and he talked a little bit about Lego play, but we're going to have a much deeper, I think, conversation today. But I don't want to spoil it for you. I don't want to spoil it for you. So, Joe, please tell the audience a little bit about yourself. Well, thank you, James. It's just an absolute pleasure to be here. I'm an assistant professor. I teach creativity. Well, the course is called Creativity and Ideation, but I really teach creative skills innovation in the business school at Virginia Commonwealth University. And recently, about five years ago, finally discovered my passion. And as a result of that, I went back to school and got another master's in creative studies from Buffalo State. So I just absolutely love innovation, love creativity, didn't even know it was a thing before about five or six years ago. Oh, wow. So you found your passion just five years ago. You stumbled upon it somehow and you're like, boom, this is it. It will be interesting to hear a little bit just about your backstory and your journey. Could you tell the audience a little bit about you growing up and the progression of your career? Sure. Well, what's fascinating is, honestly, you said it well, before five or six years ago, I, when people would talk about their passion, I would almost just roll my eyes because I thought that's just not a thing. I grew up in West Texas. I'm the first of my family to go to school. And most of my career in life has really been kind of stumbling around, backing into things, known more for what I didn't want than what I actually did want. Wow. And so I, my family moved around a little bit. I went to school in Tulsa, Oklahoma. I got my business undergraduate at a small private university called Oral Roberts University. Discovered that I took a trip to California and figured, man, this would be a great place to live. Found a job working for a not-for-profit in San Diego. While there, I was there for about eight and a half years. Met my best friend and bride of 43 years and married her. Whoa, and, whoa, whoa. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. I, I, I want you to repeat that again. Your best friend and bride of how long? 43 years. Oh, See, congratulations. I, I, know I, must, I know I look too young for that. But anyway, th that also <laughs> sets the context of this conversation. So discovered that and, and that was really just a wonderful thing. But I was in marketing services, which when you hear about what my passion is, that's the polar opposite of what my skill set is. And oh, wow. so for a lot of my career, it was really challenging because I'm doing, I remember one time, I'll never forget this, that organization in California brought somebody in to evaluate everybody. And so they took all these tests and the guy said to me, I'll never forget his opening line is, why are you in this job? 
And so anyway, I, I decided to try to trans, not to try, but to move out of the not-for-profit world, which after being in it for eight years, especially out of college, is challenging because for-profit think, well, if you've been a not-for-profit, you can't do both. Yeah. So I moved to Connecticut, worked in administrative services there. Once again, those are not my skill sets. So I'm just, I don't know. I don't have any process. My my generation was more go figure it out. So I'm figuring it out. And sometimes that works, sometimes it doesn't. That job disappears. I find another job in Massachusetts. Now I'm back to doing what I used to. I'm on the marketing services side. And then in that day, marketing services meant mail shops, printing books, all of those kinds of very detail-oriented things. Okay. Well, that job went away and I discovered I was doing some consulting work and a guy for a bank and a guy from Richmond walks in and we strike up a conversation and to make a long story short, moved to Richmond. But I knew at that point that I'd always had this thing about strategy and strategy is connected in many ways to innovation. Yeah. And so I came to Richmond looking for an account management job. And in the middle of the interview, they stopped me and it was awful. I mean, it was like <laughs> scheduling lunches, all the same kinds of stuff we've been talking about, just not suited for me. And I said, we think you might be better suited to our strategist position. Man, I didn't even know there was such a thing as that. Oh, cool. So I did that. And then my whole life, my mom has said to me, you need to be a teacher. And I always told her, forget it. I don't like exams. That, I'm embarrassed to say it, that was the extent of why I didn't pursue it. But about <laughs> seven years ago, I literally just passed my resume out. I had an MBA. And so if you're going to teach in college, at least in Virginia, that's a minimum requirement. So I had my MBA, started teaching. And in the process of that, I was interviewing for the position at VCU and they slid this resume. I mean, the syllabus across and the guy interviewing me says, what do you think about this? And I looked down and it said creativity and ideation. And I was just like, bang, Eureka. I, like I told you, I didn't know it was a thing. Wow. And so... You're going through this process. You said you're going to teach. You finally give in to what mom has been telling you that you will be great at all this time. You go through, you're doing the interview, and then all of a sudden, the thing that you've been searching for all of this time is absolutely finally here. And it's yes. like, boom, now yes. your passion is struck. How, so what happened next? Well, so it didn't all happen at once, but I was intrigued. And so what happened was VCU was very good about supporting my, my journey there. So I went to a conference, a creative problem solving conference in New York. And so I just slowly began to learn that it was a thing. And so that what I discovered was all my life in my generation, you need to focus, you need to focus, you need to focus. Well, creativity is you need to be all over the place. You need to be connecting things that don't appear to have a connection. That is me to a T. That is what <laughs> I do. What's really funny is we all have different styles. Yeah. My style is I love to generate ideas. I love to brainstorm. I don't finish sentences. I'll get here and I'll go there. My wife is a clarifier. She's uh. like, I can't, if you don't go here, she's always interrupting me. And that used to create tension for us until I recognized that we're different. And yeah. I need her gifts because without her gifts, 
I'm just going to spin around an airport all day long. And she's going to say, you know what? We're going to run out of gas in about 20 minutes. Let's get this thing down. And what I'll say, Joe, is we talk about this. I talk about this a lot. The greatest level of awareness to me is self-awareness. Yeah. You are aware of yourself and your tendencies, how you think, how you react in certain situations. It can help set you up for success. And what you just talked about is a way in which that awareness helps. You communicate a certain way. Your wife communicates a different way. Once you're able to understand how you're communicating and, oh, I do this and she does that. Let's make the connection so that we can support each other. You're able to really set yourself up for success. That's pretty cool. Well, we talk a lot about diversity and diversity is critical because we know from studies that it does improve innovation, Mm -hmm. but that's the upside of it. But think about an engine needing oil, right? That in the moving of parts, there's friction. And because we have different styles, it creates tension. And so when we know what those styles are, it helped me a lot because when I still get frustrated, but yet it's... I catch myself now going, oh, wait a minute. That's because I need to, uh, and I need to be more, sp- see here I am right now. I don't even finish the sentence and I'm off to the next one. So no, I, but I, I guess need- what really hit me as you're talking is, in the context of this conversation is that awareness is the oil that keeps the friction from getting too tight in the engine, as those parts are moving, as, yeah. the, as that diversity is working, having that level of awareness and curiosity, I would add, you said really it. helps to keep that engine weld oil so it can keep moving. At Banowitz Marketing, we succeed when you succeed. Build a thriving family business with great marketing that actually works. How? Start with comprehensive marketing direction and a clear action plan. Then get attentive expert help and choose whether that help comes as done for you services or as done with you guidance. Visit us at thrivingfamilybusiness.com to get started today. Yeah, you literally took the word out of my mouth. That curiosity of we make assumptions, we've got stories in our head. And that gets back to bias and some of those other things, but asking questions like, or tell me more, what do you mean by that? Yeah. And if someone is looking to transition from a doer to a manager, that is crucial because the manager sets the pace. The studies say that people, we talked about this great resignation, people Mm -hmm. don't leave companies, they leave managers. Yeah. And so that is really important. But one of the things I forgot to say is when I went to that first creative problem solving conference. One of the coolest things is there was a session the first day, a free session on Lego serious play. And my son did along with Legos. I didn't do a whole lot, but boy, I thought, man, that's a thing. So I went and the first step of my journey literally is I went and got certified in Lego serious play and Lego serious play is like building stuff. It's like creating models. Everybody gets the same kit, but it's about this greater awareness that we learn and that our hands can inform our brains that we're this multi-dimensional character. And so it's so important. And when you talk about innovation, before you can really talk about innovation, it really starts with mindset. It's mindset before tool set. And that is absolutely critical because 
when we're talking about engagement and this, whether you're trying to just do a better job of what you are doing or whether you're trying to keep your folks motivated, we know that there's three keys to keeping people engaged, mastery, autonomy, and purpose. And those three things are, there was a great TED talk by Daniel Pink who goes over those things. And those are absolutely critical that people want to get better. They want to learn, they want to grow, but more importantly, they want meaning and they want to understand how do you connect what I'm doing to our greater vision and purpose? Yeah, I think that's extremely important with all generations, but the younger generation in particular really have a lot of conversations about that deeper meaning and purpose and having it connected to their day-to-day activities in their jobs. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, if you think about it, we're, there's always been change. There's always been innovation. But when you think about the complexity and the rate of change, and you mix all of that together right now, we have to come up with better ways of thinking and doing, and you can do it back to the mindset. You can do it. You can be afraid and you can pull into your shell. Or you can be looking for opportunity. And that's that journey, I think, is one that I have found to be very exciting. And that is what this newer generation, and when I say newer generation, what I always say to my students is, I'm on the same journey they're on. This is not like I'm finished and now you need to get started. We all need to be learning all the time because the knowledge and the things that are out there and available are changing literally by the minute. Yeah, they're changing by the minute. The technologies are changing. How different people use those technologies are changing. And I did a a show just talking about leading out of the pandemic and how the playbook that we used prior to the pandemic wasn't the same playbook that we used when we were in the meet. of the pandemic. And guess what? Neither one of those playbooks are the same playbook that you can use as we're coming out because people have changed. Their view on having a balanced life or their priorities have changed and we can't go back to the way things used to be. So our management playbook is continuously evolving, which is where creativity and curiosity and some of the concepts that you're talking about can continue to help managers, engineers, and companies adapt so that they can flourish as the workforce and the technology continues to change. Yeah. Well, and the thing of it is, it happens all around us. We just lose sight of it. So for those of us who are old enough to remember, think back 10 or 15 years ago, what was it like to walk into any store, be it Costco, be it a grocery store? You would walk in, you would get your stuff, you would go to a cashier, and you would check out. So how is that experience different today? All right. And in my opinion, where did that start? You think about Starbucks. Starbucks really started offering this ability to pick up your drink, like calling ahead and all of that. And so if what one of the things that innovation is all about is looking for weak signals. So if you're Lowe's or you're Costco, you think, Buying a cup of coffee through an app, no big deal, right? Mm-hmm. Until it is, and, until yep. it changes. And now with self-checkout and all, now the expectation has changed. We've trained consumers to say, I don't need to wait in line. Yep. 
my time is too valuable. Check me. I'll check myself out. Yep. So th- those kinds of things are always going to be around us. But what one of the things I was thinking about, James, is when you talk about innovation, while there's a framework for it, we can innovate products, we can innovate service, we can innovate experiences, we can innovate our life. All of those things can happen. And what's I talked about complexity. What's challenging for all of us right now is, for example, I'll ask the student, is, is, is Amazon selling a product or a service? And duh, it's both. Yep. And so our ability to think and rethink, that's where that continuous learning comes in because the tiger we hold on to what we have thinking it's safe. Well, in fact, what I tell people is normally we associate risk with trying something new. These days, the bigger risk is not trying something new and continuing along with the same old, same old. Yes. Uh, Yeah, because the risk continues to rise because everything around us is changing. Our environment is changing. And if you're not able to adapt to the environment, then you're going to become at risk of being overcome by that environment or being left behind. So absolutely, to some degree, a risk mitigation strategy is being curious, being open, applying creativity to try to anticipate or at least be able to respond to the changing environment. And and how can I do it in a way that's healthy for me and healthy for the students? Because when we talk about agility Mm -hmm. and we talk about diversity and we talk about all of these things, mental health is a big thing these days. And when I can tell you from experience, when you're passionate, when you enjoy, when you're engaged, it's not work. I mean, yeah, you put in the time and yeah, you do the, you, it, you do work, but it's not work in the sense of that burden of pressing you down. And I think that what we're understanding is you talk about in the, you talk about an engineer going from a, say, a, a doer to a manager. I think the more important thing is, do they want to go from a doer to a leader? Because yeah. a lead, a manager is a position, but leader, you can be both. You can be a leader and a manager, but they're not necessarily the same. And setting that level of trust is what creates the engagement, which is where that joy comes from and where you can work together to address these challenges because they're going to be with us whether we want them or not. I want to invite you to the next UnWebinar. What is an UnWebinar? It's no slides, no sales pitch, just added value. These are small group discussions that are designed to really be two-way conversations between you and myself, where you can get insight and advice on the issues that you're dealing with today. The overall goal is to equip you with what you need so that you can win at work and at home. Understand you do not have to do it alone. Sign up for the next UnWebinar today. So what would you say would be, say, two or three key points from making that transition from a doer to a leader? Because you're absolutely correct. You can be a manager. That's a position. You can lead from where you are regardless of your position. But if you're thinking about, if someone is finding themselves in a situation where they've been a doer, like, "Ah, I really want to become a leader, what are some steps that you would suggest? Well, I think, first of all, we talked about empathy. The whole, do you 
Are you willing to listen? I would say empathy in terms of understanding where people are coming from, being curious, asking questions, knowing how to, like in my generation, we thought consultants prove their worth by the amount of things they could spew. These days, what we recognize is the real value is by knowing what questions to ask. What are those open-ended questions that are going to reveal to me where you're coming from? And that's one of the beauties of Lego Serious Play is it gives everybody a voice. Everybody gets an opportunity. So if you're an introvert, you're not going to be over, you're not going to be drowned out by the extroverts in the situation. So I think first and foremost, it, it's really understanding and being able to ask questions. I think there's some humility involved. And that is, are you coming into it from a know-it-all perspective? Or are you coming at it from a asking and being curious? I wish I could remember the quote, but the new leader of Microsoft had a wonderful saying about the know-it-all, not mm -hmm. it being out of vogue these days. And so I think curiosity, humility, and then just this willingness to always be learning that just to, to be saying to yourself, what else is new? And then the other thing is to encourage those you work with to ask questions, like yeah. challenge them. Because I hear so many students talk about internships where they'll ask questions and they basically are told, be quiet and do your job. <laughs> <laughs> I had Dion Douglas as an interview a few weeks ago. And one of the points that she made is that if you don't care about people, don't even think about being a leader Yeah, because you have to care about people. And I make this point a lot on the show is that engineers are people too. Sure. And so even if you're managing engineers or you're managing technical people, they're still people and they still want and long for the same types of connection, respect, empathy, and yeah. empowerment that anybody else longs for as well. Yeah. Well, I think you also, be, be, we tend to, if we're not careful, this happens in any field. We tend to model everything after us. So mm -hmm. we tend to we tend to model by what we want. So we talk about autonomy. Well, well, maybe my idea of autonomy may be very different than your idea of autonomy. And then there are some people who really just want a lot of direction. They really want you, they're in not comfortable with just a wide open thing. So I think the other thing I would say is all of this is encapsulated in see people as individuals. What are their individual strengths? How can they grow? Maybe it's more like being a shepherd. How can I keep this flock moving in a general direction, uh, knowing that I'm in many ways gonna end up being a shock absorber because I'm gonna be taking information from others and I'm gonna see it from here and I'm gonna have to be willing to absorb some of that tension. And so that also is key. Yeah. And I think these principles for leadership and apply to managers as well, business owners, you want to be able to see people for who they are and hold space for who they are, being yeah. able to see their strengths, their weaknesses. You're not necessarily judging them, but you're holding space for who they are. Yeah. And as a leader, you want to be able to have a vision of who they can be, yep. but not necessarily just based on who you are, but who they are and their strength. And what would it look like if they were able to flourish in that strength? And then your job as a leader is to empower and equip them 
to be that best version of themselves. Not the best version just that you think through your eyes, yeah. but it has to be through their eyes. Yeah. I think the other thing that's really important is building trust. And that, that comes, you have to model that. You have to, you have to understand people have to have a space where they feel like they can feel free to, to say things and not have it come back to, to haunt them. So if somebody needs help, can they ask for that help? Those kinds of things are absolutely crucial. So, so how long have you been doing the creativity and ideation courses, teaching them? About seven years. Okay. And what are some of the most interesting things that you would say are takeaways from your seven years in that space? I never get tired of watching students make things, build things. We really focus a lot in my courses. Well, the biggest takeaway is how we've all kind of evolved. When I look back at what we first did, it's Mm -hmm. laughable. I mean, it really is. (laughs) Oh my goodness. But I love the way that engaging all the parts, physicality, the, for example, in, in, in my class, they do a lot of group work and I give them, what I try to do is I try to create a classroom that simulates a job more than it does a classroom mm-hmm. so that they're getting used to that thinking. And I, I pose some kind of a challenge for them. Uh, they've got to work together to come up, figure out what that challenge is, come up with some kind of a solution and then present that back to the class. And I continually get good feedback because honestly, it's a required course. Most of the feedback I get is uh, some students are very excited about it. Some have no idea what to think about a course. Why are we requiring a creativity course in business school? And so I think that that growth, that seeing the ideas that come out of people, we've one of the assignments that we have in the course is a design thinking prototype. I mean, some of the ideas these folks come up with are just unbelievable. So I, I just really enjoy watching them learn, watching them develop what we call 21st century skills. Like okay. we talked about empathy. That's a critical one. Critical thinking, creative problem solving. All of that is, is very cool. So I've got some memorabilia around just the things they've built because when we do, when we work in pictures and when we work in physical space, it Mm -hmm. changes everything because it's no longer up here. We can see what's in front of us. Hey, this is James and I'm here to help you win at work and at home. Let's connect. You can use the link in the show notes to schedule a complimentary session. We're going to walk through the steps that it's going to take for you to start thriving so you can engineer your success and live the life that you love. Come on, sign up today. So you have a bird's eye view of watching creativity and innovation flourish in your students and being able to see some of the fruition of that and some of these products that are created. And I'm sure that there are going to be many more stories as the years move on of some of the companies that have been created, yeah. some of the patents that have been, yeah. you know, a- applied for through the things that you're teaching there in the business school at VCU. Well, I what I really appreciate now, I think one of the reasons everything came together was purpose. And this notion that what I'm doing now is so much more than just a paycheck, but it's a, it's an opportunity to prepare 
both students and I still do a little bit of consulting. So it's also an opportunity to work, to draw. We're all creative. I don't care what people say. We're all creative, different ways, different expressions, but we're all creative and helping others unlock that is something that I just take great joy from doing. It's a way to entertain. It's a way to encourage. And man, I know in the classroom, in a workshop, when there's laughter and commotion going on, most of the time, good things are happening. Cool. Well, Joe, I really appreciate you taking the time for us to have this discussion. I love this whole ideal of innovation and creativity, how we can remain curious. And you've provided several different tips or points that a person can have if they're moving from a doer to a leader, from a leader to a manager, and just making sure that we're continuing to embody those principles as a leader. I I really do appreciate your time. I didn't ask you this beforehand, but what is the creativity challenge that you have for our podcast audience? What challenge will you leave us with, Joe? I would say Challenge yourself to do something different and new. Take a different way home than you normally do. Do something maybe like I've started changing my watch back and forth between my left hand and my right hand. Just what are some things that you can do? Our We're designed, our brains are designed for one thing and one thing only to keep us alive. It is, it is inherently lazy. So I challenge you to do some exercises, do some challenges, make it fun. Don't make it feel like an assignment, but make it fun. The other thing I would do is go online and look up, find something about growth mindset. And just, you can find some little vignettes out there about a growth mindset, because like I said at the beginning, it all starts there. It's mindset before it's tool set. All right. Mindset before tool set. Go out and try something different. Joe, again, I want to thank you for joining the show. I'm going to end the podcast like I end every podcast, and that is this. Many people know what to do. Fewer people know how to do it. And there's a select group of people that actually follow through, do it, and are achieving the life of their dreams. Joe, I'm so glad that you found your purpose because I'm telling you, you're part of that select few and you're achieving the life of your dreams. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me, James. It's been a pleasure. Thank you for listening to Engineer Your Success with Dr. James Bryant. Do me a favor and subscribe to the podcast. Leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or your favorite podcast player. Many people know what to do. Fewer people know how to do it, and a small fraction of people actually do it. I believe that you can have success both in business and in life, and it's my passion to guide you on your path to engineering your success. Thanks.